I had a little bit of uh, something going on this week in my congestion, so I brought up an extra water, and, uh, and I, I trust God will give me strength to make it through. Hopefully on your way in, you got uh, some notes, uh, and those of you engaging online, you can go to our homepage, gracedma.org, just click the bulletin, and you'll find these there, and, and that'll help you along, and also, if you want to have your Bible available, we're going to be looking at a couple of scriptures. And to those of you engaging online, uh, really grateful to have you with us. And, uh, and those at our brothers at Lorraine Correctional, uh, we love you guys. I look forward to seeing you again soon, I hope. And uh, thank you for being a part of, of, of this today. Taking a break from our current Corinthian series to talk about a biblical perspective on a big issue that that Ohioans are being asked to speak into, and you know that I rarely speak on legislative matters, some would say political, but when it touches on matters that are close to the heart of God, I believe I'm compelled to do so. So if you disagree with what I'm gonna say, just thank you for keeping the tomatoes uh, you know, at bay, and, uh, and if you agree with what I'm saying, uh, you know, don't applaud. I don't want there to be a sense of people if they disagree that they feel alienated or they don't belong here. Uh, we are a family that God is, is building and growing up. And so, and we want to talk about uh, issues and important issues and say, what does it look like to honor Jesus and his word? So if you're a citizen of Ohio, you're going to have an opportunity to vote uh, soon on a couple of issues. And, and you have an opportunity, even if you know what you think, to say, I can persuade others, I hope graciously, to speak up for those who need a voice. And if you disagree with what I'm going to say, uh, I get emails, and I would welcome an email from you. You'll help my thinking to be more nuanced, and I hope sharper, and I hope that my speaking today about this topic will also help you to perhaps say, wow, I'm hearing a perspective that Jonathan is pointing us to God's word, and, and maybe you'll consider a vantage point that... that uh, that you'll say, I think that does reflect the heart of Jesus and the dignity of all people. So some people might say, hey, why do you address tough topics, PJ? Because you have a habit of doing this recently. I'll just say it just is, that's, that's in the providence of God. I do not like, like talking about hard topics. I'm not like a stir the pot, you know, poke the bear kind of thing. But, but when it's necessary to say we have an opportunity to speak up, and, and, and I'm really convinced that our relationship with Jesus that we have influences every part of life. And so we look for wisdom from God's word and how we make decisions, including to say, Lord, is there something you want to teach me here about when I vote, when I go to the poll, what does it look like to fulfill Proverbs 31 where it says this, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed, yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. That's, that's our heart, right? And more important, that's God's heart. Every person matters to him. They're made in his image, and that means we care about laws and amendments that, that would impact the lives of other people. And someone might say, you know, Jonathan, I just wish we stick to the gospel, you know, the good news about Jesus. I don't want us to get political and all that kind of stuff. If I could just gently respond and say, that's a narrow view of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is more than just Jesus and me and our relationship. The gospel, the, the life, the forgiveness, the way of Jesus influences how I treat my wife Mary. That I'm supposed to love her and sacrifice for her as Jesus did for us. It's how we do our jobs. And Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, ultimately you're not doing it for your human boss, you're doing it for whom? For God, right? How he care for my body. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like how he, 
That's why only taking so much Mitchell's ice cream, right? It's only so much that this body is, is gonna say is, I can stay healthy. Although I think ice cream is one of the food groups. I'm still trying to tell Mary that. Um, how I manage my money, how I spend my free time, all of that matters to, to Jesus, including how I treat the people around me. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25? He's telling a parable about the sheep and the goats, and he says this. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did what? For me, for me. So Jesus cares about how we treat others. You could say it this way, when we have an opportunity to speak on behalf of others, their value, their dignity, their protection, listen to this, to not speak is to speak, right? To not speak is to speak. During the days of the abolition movement to outlaw the evils of slavery, or during the days of Jim Crow laws and discrimination, or when women's voting rights were at stake, what would you think of churches that go, you know, we, we don't talk about stuff, we just talk about the gospel? You say, wow, you are missing a huge opportunity on issues that are really close to the heart of God. To not speak is to speak. It means you're okay with the status quo. And I believe we're failing if we don't speak. We're failing to speak up for those who either are voiceless or whose voices need to be heard more loudly. So how do we speak? I want us to look at a passage in the Old Testament, one of the prophets whose words are remarkably relevant today. It's Micah. Uh, a lot of, anybody here named Micah? Micah, it's a great book here. You wonder like, this is a great book to look at. We have a lot of Micahs here at Grace. But uh, Micah chapter six, if you're on your Bible app, you can look at the table of contents and, uh, and look that up there. And, and let's take a look and see. Micah wrote these words about 700 BC and he's led by the Holy Spirit. His words are, like I said, really applicable even today. And here's what he says, that God holds all of us accountable for our actions and that we will be judged for injustice no matter how religious we may appear on the outside. Here are a few of the injustices he goes after and you'll see the scripture reference with each one. He talks about thinking up evil plans. You know, people are trying to just create havoc, fraud and greed and violence, stealing, dishonesty, mistreating women and children, hating good and loving evil. That's happening today. Despising justice, murder, taking bribes. And, and in this book, probably the best known verse, in fact, one of the best known verses in the Old Testament would be in Micah chapter six. And this verse is remarkable, not for its complexity, but for its simplicity. Can we read this verse aloud together? You ready? You'll see the words on the screen here. Let's read this together. Ready? He has shown you what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What's required? He doesn't say take a pilgrimage somewhere, you know, you gotta go over to Mecca, you gotta go to Jerusalem, you have to do like, and then, or, or some other kind of huge achievement. He goes, and you go, wow, this is for like, this is for the uber gifted, ultra talented, whatever. He says something with the power of God's spirit within us is doable, for any one of us, that's great news. What's required of us? 
He, he tells us here, he says, I want you to act with justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's sort of an echo of Jesus' teaching when someone comes and says, hey, what's the greatest command? And Jesus says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love other people like you love yourself. And Jesus says everything written in the Old Testament can be summed up in these two statements, and it's really an echo of what Micah says. Micah talks about a relationship with God. He talks about a relationship with others. So let's unpack this one verse here, starting with the final phrase, walk humbly with your God. I like the fact that it's personal. Those last two words, it's with your God. He's not just a God, you know, the God who's far away. He goes, "This, this is your God. You can have a personal relationship with him. You can say, you know, my Savior, my, my Jesus, my Father in heaven, he's your Father, he's your God. And it says that we walk with him. You know, there's something about walking with the person shows relationship, right? Some of you, if you see Mary me out in public, the most likely place you're gonna see us is out in the metro parks. We love to walk together. We, we pray together when we walk, we talk about it, you know. And so when we walk together, there's a sense of like you're in relationship with each other, you're talking through stuff. And there's also, he says, walk how with God? Walk humbly. Humble means that you're always thinking of the other person. You're, you're wanting to know what they think. You, what are their desires? What's their heart? If you're in a marriage relationship, it's acknowledging I don't have all the answers. Might be good for all of us just to say that out of the road. Right, ready? I don't have all the answers, right? Is my wife around? She's going, amen, Jonathan. You say it. Say it again. Um, transfer that to what you're walking humbly with God. You acknowledge God. You're, you're God and, and I'm not. I want to hear from you, God. I want your word to be a lamp from my feet, a light from my path. God, I want to be surrendered to whatever you say in this book. I'm always gonna come back to this book. I wanna walk, God, humbly with you, and and he's with you every, we don't leave Jesus here on Sundays, right? We always say it this way, you did not walk into church today, the church walked, what? Into the building. When you're leaving today, you're not leaving church, the church is leaving the building. And wherever you go, the Spirit of God does not live in this facility. The Spirit of God, if you put your trust in Jesus, lives where? He lives in you. He's gonna be with you, so he cares about every single aspect of your life. So number one, he says, walk humbly with God. (coughs) Next one. Micah says, act justly. Do what's right. We mentioned how Micah's day, there were people who were dishonest in their business dealings. They'd oversell, underperform. They looked out for themselves instead of doing what's right and best for others. It was sort of every person for him or herself. And, and, and God says to this prophet, he goes, hey, folks, I want you to act with justice. I want you to do what's right. Here's how the Lord says it through Amos, another prophet the Lord used to speak to his people. Amos chapter five, he says, away with your noisy hymns of praise. He's talking about their worship. I will not listen to the music of your harps or your electric guitars, your amazing worship services. Instead, I want to see a what? 
mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous love. You know what he's saying? God loves when we worship him, but if I worship him and I walk out the doors of that worship gathering and I live for myself and I don't care about the people around me, he goes, you know what? Your worship, you can just take it and, and, and go. It means nothing to me. I want your worship, but I want you to act justly as well. These two go hand in hand. Your integrity and your worship go together. So what does that look like? Justice means that we, we care for those around us. We uphold their rights. We care about their mistreatment and your workplace and the community. We, we speak up for the defenseless. We care about children in the foster care system. We advocate for affordable childcare. We address like housing needs. A year ago, you might be interested to know this, a year ago, Grace, the Grace family gave over 200,000 for uh, housing units that are, they're breaking ground. They finally got through all the red tape in Cleveland and they're breaking ground on 14 housing units for people who are underserved. It's, it's gonna be beautiful. You address injustices, mass incarceration. You, you spend time with people who are neglected by others. So many people at Grace doing that in a variety of ways. Welcoming immigrants and refugees to Northeast Ohio and partnering with the Hope Center. Serving in nursing homes. I think we're in 10 to 12 nursing homes, people at Grace, dozens of volunteers. Some of you are, are serving alongside the Cleveland Pregnancy Center. Say, I wanna, I wanna help out women in need. Or maybe uh, that uh, a new ministry called Embrace Grace, a small group that provides resources and support for women who are in unplanned pregnancies. Love that. It's getting involved in foster care and adoption. It's numerous ones of you who are uh, volunteering at Lorraine Correctional or you guys who are, who are living at Lorraine Correctional saying, I care about the people around me. I wanna speak up for others who maybe are being, their rights are being, or they're being you know, abused by others. Or maybe it's just showing mercy in your workplace. You see somebody go, you know, they look like their heart is heavy. I'm just gonna go see how they're doing. Or a widow in your neighborhood or whoever it might be. And you say, what can I do to care about other people the way that if Jesus were in my skin, and he actually is, if you've received him right, what would he want to do in this situation? Let me mention another way to act with justice, and this is where I think if Micah were speaking in our day, vote in a way that honors the image of God in every person from conception all the way to death. Vote in a way that affirms the family and the role that moms and dads have with, with kids. Justice includes passing laws and amendments that impact others, or maybe not, in this case, not passing a law or an amendment that would impact others negatively. Why? Because we value people like God does. We act justly. And that leads to what is specifically we're facing in the state of Ohio today, and we have a few more weeks until we, have, uh, we go to the polls, and maybe you're doing an absentee, but I want you to take a look at page two of your notes just to see a few of the reasons why I believe issue number one is a grave injustice for unborn children, for children who are under the age of 18, and for families. Let me encourage you to read the language for yourself. In fact, I sent out to the church family yesterday uh, a link that is, is seethelanguage.com, seethelanguage.com. And already hundreds of you have accessed 
that, uh, through that email. But I've studied this proposed amendment, I've talked with others, and I'm really concerned and here why. here's why. Number one, issue number one threatens parental rights. The proposed amendment reads, and it is an amendment, which means that these things are enshrined in our state constitution, which makes it really hard to ever change it. It says this, you'll see this in your notes. The proposed amendment reads, every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including, but not limited to, decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. Here's, listen, watch this. By using that first little phrase, individual, instead of adult or woman, it's possible that anyone under the age of 18 could have an abortion or make any other reproductive decision without their parents' uh, consent or notification. Other states have clearly mentioned an age of consent. This amendment does not. Huge concern. Number two, issue one puts women at risk. Current Ohio law requires abortion providers to explain procedure risks and ensure access to hospital transfer if needed. In other words, if you begin to have a problem in your abortion, you're, you're within like this distance away of a hospital where you get the needed help. These health and safety standards could be seen as a burden and be eliminated with this new amendment, making it even less safe for women seeking an abortion. And then, number three, uh, concern, issue number one would make it possible for abortions to occur all through nine months of pregnancy. Now, even though, uh, even many, I should say, who are pro-choice would say there have, has to be some kind of, most of them would say there have to be some kind of limits to abortion. Just one example. Even pro-choice people would say they, they have a really hard time saying that they think it's okay to abort a child a day before delivery or a week before delivery. What about a month before delivery? When Mary and I had a miscarriage, we told people, we say, our hearts are grieving because we lost a what? A baby, right? It happened a couple times for us. Our hearts were, were, yeah. Someone says, you know, I don't think this amendment would allow you to have an abortion at any time in, in the pregnancy. Look what it says. In no such case may such an abortion be prohibited if in the professional judgment of the pregnant patient's treating physician, one doctor, thinks it is necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life or health. In U.S. law, health includes a person's age. The doctor could say, well, she's 38 years old, I think it's dangerous, or physical, emotional, or psychological well-being. That means any of those could be used to justify aborting a full-term baby. An abortion-providing physician could make that decision leaving no clear protections for preborn children. So am I concerned about issue one? Absolutely. And primarily because it is going to make us probably in the top three most abortion-friendly states in our entire union, along with New Mexico and Colorado, Ohio will be right up in the top three. I know there's a lot of debate over abortion and women's rights and how do you navigate this and are we gonna put women at risk for back alley abortions, you know, if we, pass, if we don't pass an amendment like this. I'd like us just to take a quick overview. I thought, I, I saw a clip that was so helpful that addresses the three top arguments on this issue. 
And I think you'll feel better equipped, or if you are pro-choice, to say, I need to wrestle with that one. So from the Colson Center, here's this video clip. Let's take a look. Three of the most common objections to the pro-life position are, abortion is a woman's private choice. Even if a fetus is human, it's not a person. And if you ban abortion, women will be forced to get dangerous back alley abortions that are medically unsafe. What would you say? These arguments are known as the privacy objection, the personhood objection, and the back alley objection. Often, abortion advocates will rattle them off altogether, making their case seem strong. It's not. The next time these objections come up in conversation, here are three things to remember. When responding to the privacy objection, remember this. Claiming that abortion is a woman's private choice ignores the status of the unborn. No one would ever cite privacy as a good reason to kill toddlers, teenagers, or adults, only the unborn which means the assumption is being made that the unborn are not human. To expose this assumption, say something like this. You know, I actually agree with you. You're right that abortion is a private choice between a woman and her doctor. You're right that the government should stay out of her private decisions. You're right that pro-lifers should not question her private choices. Yes, you are right about all of that. If, if what? If the unborn are not human beings. Make no mistake, the issue that divides those who are against abortion and those who are for it is not privacy concerns. It's whether or not it's okay to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Pro-lifers agree that women should be allowed to make a number of private choices, but intentionally killing an innocent human being isn't one of them. When responding to the personhood objection, remember this. Claiming that a fetus is human, but not a person is an assertion, not an argument, and it undermines human equality. Why should anyone think there can be such a thing as a human who is not a person? Most of the time, when this claim is made in the case of the preborn, no argument is made to support it. It is merely asserted. Whenever this assertion comes up in a conversation, just reply. What traits make a human a person? Often, pro-abortion advocates will claim that personhood is grounded in consciousness or an immediate capacity for self-awareness or maybe the ability to feel pain but why are these traits the ones that give us value? In fact, traits of self-awareness might come and go in the course of our lifetimes, depending on our health or whether we are asleep. Will we lose our value? None of us share these traits equally. Does that mean that those with more have a greater right to life than those with less? If that's the case, you can throw human equality on the ash heap Throughout history, some groups of people elevated other traits, such as IQ, gender, or skin color, to diminish their value and oppress them. In short, either you believe that each and every human being is a person with an equal right to life, or you don't. When responding to the back alley objection, remember this. 
The back alley objection is based on a lie, assumes the unborn are not human, and demeans women. First, let's set the record straight. Certainly some women died from illegal abortions prior to 1973 when the Supreme Court legalized abortion in a case called Roe versus Wade. But it was nowhere near 5,000 to 10,000 a year. Dr. Mary Calderon, Planned Parenthood's own medical director in the 1960s, said that the death rate from illegal abortion was so low it wasn't worth worrying about. Why? because 90% of illegal abortions were performed by doctors in good standing in their communities, not back alley butchers with rusty coat hangers. Of course, any woman who dies from an abortion, legal or illegal, is a tragedy. Notice, however, how the back alley objection, like most popular arguments for abortion, assume the unborn are not human. Essentially, the back alley objection argues that because some people die attempting to intentionally kill innocent human beings, the state should then make it safer and legal. But of course, the law should never make it easier or safer for one human being to intentionally kill another completely innocent one. And let's be clear with our language. Women aren't forced to have illegal abortions. They choose to have them say otherwise is demeaning to women and calls into question their agency and self-control. Am I, as a woman, forced to rob a bank if my employer won't give me a raise? No. So, the next time somebody brings up the privacy objection, remember, claiming that abortion is a woman's private choice ignores the status of the unborn. When someone brings up the personhood objection, remember, Claiming that a fetus is human, but not a person, is an assertion, not an argument, and it undermines human equality. When someone brings up the back alley objection, remember that it is based on a lie, that it assumes the unborn are not human, and that it is demeaning to women. For What Would You Say? I'm Megan Allman. If you like the link to that, uh, just send an, us an email and we'll send you the link. You can watch that again. But I think that addresses why it's so important for us to, to consider the ramifications of amendment that would, uh, would just open the doors to almost unfettered access to taking the life of, of a little one. One way to act justly is to speak up for those who need a voice, who are vulnerable, vulnerable and defenseless. And one way to do this is to say, I'm gonna vote no on this issue, I'm gonna vote no. Now do we speak up for moms and needs as well? Absolutely. For adequate medical coverage or affordable childcare, yes. It's not an either or decision, it's, it's a both and, right? We say we care about children pre-born, we care about them after they're born, we care about parents who are in need, we care, we care all the way through. But abortion can never be right, never be justified if the little one growing inside is actually a person and we believe that it is. One more comment on this amendment, it's misleading. Maybe you could even say deceptive. They make it sound like voting against issue one is voting against care for those uh, or, uh, who need, who have a miscarriage or who uh, maybe would like to have contraception. And, and so, but it's just not the case. Absolutely, we care for 
those who have a miscarriage or those who have an ectopic pregnancy. And this amendment uh, sort of promotes a myth that you need to vote for a right to abortion to get that kind of care. It's simply false. In fact, here's a one-minute clip from, a, from a, an OBGYN in our state that addresses this topic. Let's just take a quick listen. My name is Alicia Thompson. I'm a board-certified OBGYN practicing in Westerville, Ohio. With the Dobbs decision in 2022 that overturned the uh, pre legal precedent of Roe versus Wade, it turned the issue of abortion rights to individual states. Ohio had a trigger law in place, so within a few days, it was no longer allowed to have an abortion in the state of Ohio once a fetal heartbeat had been detected. There was concern about whether or not it would impact miscarriage care, ectopic care, and I can confidently say there are no laws in the United States that have ever interfered with miscarriage care and ectopic care for women. Physicians have always been free to intervene on that behalf of saving the life of their patient, and whether or not that they're pregnant does not prevent us from saving that woman's life, whether it be in a miscarriage man management or in the case of ectopic pregnancy. So when it actually rubber hit the road, it did not change my day-to-day -day practice. So make no mistake, women will get the care that they need for an ectopic pregnancy or a miscarriage. The truth is, as I said earlier, there's an agenda by writers of this amendment to make abortion as widely available as possible. And that's why we're talking about this issue today. People matter to God, every single one. Women, men, children, preborn, born, all the way through to death. Those who have a disability, those who may not, every single person has great value. So let's act with justice, right? Let's speak up for those who need a voice and who needs a voice more than unborn children. Friends, may we reflect the heart of God who cares for every single person and has a plan for every single child who has been conceived. So I wanna encourage you to use your voice, uh, not only in this election, but whenever. Uh, don't be beholden to one political party or another. Uh, look for legislation that values life, pre-born and post-born. And, uh, and to say, we're going to speak up and, and we value life from womb to the tomb. Let's just be real clear, issue one misses that by a wide margin. It misses justice, which is why I'll vote no. We act justly. We act with justice on issues that matter for people. And then one more word here from Micah. He says, act justly and then love what? Love mercy. I, I, treat others as Jesus would. Aren't you grateful that our Heavenly Father is marked by both justice and by mercy? That he cares about the rights of all, but when we mess up, we come to him and he's full of mercy. Like he just, he, he just loves to, and so he tells us, I want you to have the same kind of, I want you to love mercy, not grudgingly to forgive someone or try to be merciful. He goes, I want you to love mercy. Love it. Pass along to other people what you've so freely received from Jesus. Forgive, show compassion. Someone who uh, heard about my topic this week said, you know what I really love about Grace? We wear our name well as a church. I hope we do, Grace Church, and that when we communicate the truth about something and we say, this is the hard truth, that we can do it with grace and say, you know what, even if you look back in your life and you go, oh my goodness, I have such regret, I can't believe like on this topic I was party to an abortion or I encouraged someone to, either I had one myself or I encouraged someone else, I persuaded my girlfriend or my daughter or whoever to have an abortion, you go, how could I have done that? Can we just say it again? Your Father in heaven, he loves mercy.
and he loves you, right? So when you come to him, he never turns anybody away. He will forgive anything, and I mean anything in your life and mine. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never turn away. So come to him. Ask for his forgiveness. And when you do, he'll never hold back. He will cleanse and renew and fill us. And if people disagree with you on this decision, love mercy. Don't be rude, don't be nasty. Just say, you know what? Uh, We may disagree on this, but you are a person who matters to God and because of that, you matter to me a lot as well. So even if we don't see eye to eye on this one, um, I want you to know, I, I, you know, you're not gonna stoop to some kind of behavior that would show them less than mercy and walk humbly with your God. Friends, never forget, Jesus is with us. So let's be people of hope and confidence and joy. He's already won the final battle, right? He's coming again, he's gonna make all things right. When we gather on Sundays, we gather on Sundays, why? Because Today, Sunday, every Sunday is a celebration of what? Of life and of of Jesus coming back from death, right, of the resurrection. The fact is that Jesus is alive today, he's at work, nothing can thwart his ultimate plans. We know that in the end, he's gonna write the final chapter, right? So we trust him, we follow him, we love him, and we say, Jesus, would you give me a heart like yours? Give me a heart like yours. In fact, together as his people, Can we say together this this verse and just make this our own commitment? Let's say it, you'll see these on the screen. Ready, let's say it together aloud. He has shown us what is good and what does the Lord require of us? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Jesus, would you make it so in our lives we pray? Lord, I think often we maybe get one part of this right or we, we stumble in another. Maybe we love justice and we're like, ah, I speak to this, but we don't do it humbly or we don't really have much mercy. Or maybe, Lord, we have so much mercy, we never speak truth. And so, Lord, we're just inviting you to come to fill our hearts by your spirit and that we will be people who live out this word that you gave through Micah for us. Lord, that what you require would be what we say, that's what I want to do, Lord. If that's what honors you, Lord, that's what I want to be. Lord, I pray for a defeat of issue one in our state, for the sake of people who matter so much to you. The polls may not look good, but God, you can do anything. There's nothing too hard for you. And so we want to say today, we trust you, we love you, and we know that in the end, whatever happens, you are God and you're the victorious one, and so we trust you. And we thank you for hearing our prayers. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. This song we're gonna sing here. You continue to pray that we'll be everything he wants us to be. Let's, let's make this our, that Jesus would be the answer in our lives and for those we love. Let's stand together as the team leads us.